Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special mini episode here of the Command Zone podcast. Something big has happened, and it affects our format quite a lot. Yeah, we have another big announcement coming from, well, this time the rules committee. They kind of stopped doing Well, actually, they shouldn't stop doing this, but it just seems like there's been a lot lately. Yeah, can they just time it so that we don't have to do these in the middle of the week every single time and be like, we gotta go. We gotta get this out the door quick. So it's a pretty big change. Uh, it's a rules change, really. Uh, I think it's a good one, but well, let's get into it. The big announcement from the Rules Committee this past weekend, they announced it during a panel at Command Fest Online. It's a pretty simple statement to mm -hmm. begin with. Of course, we're going to go in-depth and talk about some of the specifics and uh, some of the cards it affects. But do you want to just read the like general summary of what this rules change is? Sounds good. All right, everyone, buckle up. Here we go. If a commander has an ability which triggers on it dying or going to exile, it will trigger before heading to the command zone. So that's sort of the big headline. We'll, ex we'll go into specifics here in a second, which do matter. Mm -hmm. But the biggest takeaway here is that previously, the way that commanders dying worked was if your commander died, but you chose to put it in the command zone, it was a replacement effect. So it never hit the graveyard. Right. So anything that said you know, when a creature dies, do this, wouldn't trigger. And there were actually specifically commanders that had, if Death this triggers. creature dies, yeah. do this. Like Alenda, the Dusk Rose was one that I played on game nights. Uh, Jimmy played Rolesque, Apex Hybrid. Both of those we knew we would have to allow to go to the graveyard and then just sit there because we didn't choose to put him in the command zone if we wanted to get their trigger. That's, no, yeah, not that's, only that, I had cards in my deck to get it back from the graveyard because I knew that it had to go there. Yeah, me as well. So you had to build your deck yeah. in a sort of different way. So this is obviously a pretty big change. It's going to affect a, a, quite a decent number of cards. But the big takeaway is that if your commander dies and would go to the graveyard even though you're choosing to put it in the command zone, and, and it's not a replacement effect anymore. We're going to get into that. Yep. But you will be able to get dies triggers off of commanders, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, we can go into whether we like it or not in a second here. Let's talk about the specifics because Rules Committee member Toby Elliott released an official breakdown of the new rule. Um, and we'll read just a snippet from it here, but there's a full article and we're going to link that in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to reading. So this is a thing that you're going to be able to click on. It's a full on article. There's a lot more than just this text, but this new rule is a state-based action. 
It says, if a commander is in a graveyard or in exile, and that card was put into that zone since the last time state-based actions were checked, its owner may put it into the command zone. And of course, the original text, what we know from all along, is still here. If a commander will be put into its owner's hand or library for anywhere, its owner may put may put it into the command zone instead. This replacement effect may apply more than once to the same event. So it's slightly reworded here, but this is what we originally had, which is like, should the commander leave the battlefield and go anywhere, instead of putting it into that place, you can just slip, slip it into the command zone instead. Right, but it doesn't say anywhere anymore, because... Right. When it goes to the graveyard or exile, then it hits the graveyard or exile, and then you may choose to put it in the command zone. Right. So it's not replacing exile or graveyard. However, they left the replacement effect only for hands and library. So that's there's a few things to note here. Note number one is it's not a may ability. Your commander must go to the graveyard or exile first, and then you may put it into the command zone. Mm-hmm. So the it's going to hit the graveyard or exile, and then you could leave them in those zones if you want to, the next part's a May ability, but it doesn't replace going to the Graveyard or Exile anymore. Yep. Uh, note number two is the replacement effect remains as it was before for, quote-unquote, the hidden zones. So the zones that your uh, opponents cannot see. So hand and library, um, you can still replace it. So it'll actually never hit your hand or never be shuffled into your library. It'll work how it used to if you want to put it in the commands and when it's going to those places. Yeah, and the reason Toby said this is still here is because it kind of breaks Magic's rules and extends them to a weird degree if you have to start tracking where the commander is once it enters into the library. What if it gets shuffled into your library like Chaos Warp and then you have to go in and find it and then put it into the command zones? No, we're just going to keep it so that the replacement effect that we originally remember still works but only in hand and library because once it goes into an unknown zone like your hand, you can't actually distinguish what card it is in your hand unless you have a different sleeve of course you'd have but. to you'd have to track it like think of chaos warp right you cast chaos warp jimmy would have to shuffle his commander into his library because there's a chance it. he might flip it <laughs> off chaos warp but then after chaos warp resolves and he doesn't flip it if then it would be like okay now you need to go find it and put it in the command zone if it worked like graveyard and exile so they yeah. decided just like hand library will stay as is graveyard and exile will change uh, and note number three is because this is a state-based action no one will receive priority before the commander gets moved to the command zone so you can't like kill jimmy's commander when it hits the graveyard in response before you move it into the command zone i'm gonna cast an instant speed reanimate spell or activate chain or something yeah. and steal it from you while it's in your graveyard nobody gets priority because it's a state-based action so that kind of shenanigans sorry everybody you won't be able to pull off there are there's some other stuff you can do now yeah though that we will talk about some quick notes about state-based actions because this is something we'd never talk about on the show really uh state-based actions are basically game actions that happen when an improper improper set of conditions arise in the game so when a character player would gain priority you first check state-based actions for certain things so so things that we all know state-based actions happen. For instance, if a token is in a zone other than the battlefield, it ceases to exist. So tokens don't hit graveyards. Tokens they leave, hit graveyards. They hit graveyards, and then they see, they like poof into existence. So They're that's not a, there at a moment where you could affect them. Yeah, so this is very similar to this. Another state-based action is uh, if you have zero or less life, you lose the game. Yeah. So you cannot respond to having zero or less life. This is why this is here. So that, again, you can't do these weird little things with the cards in the graveyard. Um, if this is something that you guys are very confused about and want to hear more about, let us know. It's something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around because things that don't use the stack like state-based actions when they happen why they happen and why they need to happen and the order they happen in there's a lot of complexity there <laughs> for the most part you don't need to know a lot of that stuff a lot of it's intuitive and i think that's the reason they're making this change specifically is to sort of try and make 
how dies triggers with commanders work more intuitive. Yeah. Um, the article goes on to discuss a lot more about why they decided to m- make this change and the other solutions that were considered. Um, I want to say that I'm on the commander advisory group. And so I was involved in some of these discussions, but I didn't actually know that they were going to make this specific change or that they were going to announce it now. So what happened is like, I'd say a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. there was a discussion around dies triggers and you were given eight options, right? According to the, no, list? that's not actually how it worked. That's how ah. we came up with the eight options. So at the time they were just like, Hey, we'd like to try and make this work. What do you all think? I see. And we threw out like, well, what, why don't you do this? What about this? What about these things? And here's the thing. We're talking, the rules committee is like all level five judges or whatever. Like <laughs> they all know the rules to a degree that is like insane. Only a few people on the planet know the rules on right. the level that these people do. So everything you throw out, they'd be like, yep, we thought about that. Here's the problems with that. And I'd be like, crap, okay, well, why don't you do this? Yep, thought about that. Here's right. the problem. And so after like, you know, a couple hours of discussion, I was like, listen, here's what I'll say. I think it'd be cool if death triggers could work. You y'all, figure it out. You all got to figure it out, though, because <laughs> I, it's way above my pay grade yeah. for how to make it work. Agreed. Um, so this is how they decided to do it, which I think is pretty elegant. I mean, I guess we can move on to the analysis sure. of the rule here, Jimmy. What do you think of the change? Uh, it's a lot more text. And I think in general, we've always said this, complicating the game more makes it harder for people. But the problem was is that originally having these dice triggers on commanders was complicated enough with the replacement effect. So I think this actually abides more by the rules cards on the text and players can understand it better. And now they just have an extra thing, which is just like, yeah, if it dies, it does go to the graveyard and then it goes to exile. So you still get the trigger. I think this makes a lot more sense, but the text surrounding it is a little more complicated, but I think explaining it is easy. Yeah, I think it's intuitive. Like this, I think a lot of people thought already this This is is how how it it worked. And honestly, like when we play games, just among ourselves, this is a rule that constantly sort of gets, gets missed or mistake. Like a blood artist, right. you know, is on the table and there's like nine creatures and somebody board wipes and you go, how many creatures are out? Nine. Okay, everybody take nine. Or you take nine, I gain nine. And then maybe later you go, oh crap, two of those were commanders. <laughs> you know, it's just the kind of thing that intuitively, even though you know the rule, it, it you tend to get tripped on it constantly. And I think that's an indication that that rule probably needs to be changed to work more like how most people think it works. Yeah, and the original replacement effect was so that we didn't have feel-bads of yeah. getting tucked or, you know, things disappearing and not being able to go to the command zone. Uh, so I think this is actually great. This, you know, again, is trying to help the players of Commander just have a more intuitive and I think simpler, even though there's more text, uh, and, and game that's easy to understand just by reading the text on the cards. And I think that works out here. All right, let's talk about some cards that this change affects. Uh, There are a number of commanders that it affects. Oh, I also want to say, you know, one thing that this, uh, the old rule working the way it did, it really kind of hampered wizards a little bit in how they could design like legendary creatures because they knew that that's the way the rule worked. And so they had to be real careful because if they design a legendary creature with a dies trigger, they're basically designing a legendary creature that they know doesn't work good in Commander. Mm -hmm. And now they can kind of explore some of that space a little bit, which I think is good. All right, coming up, we're going to explore that space ourselves and talk about the Commanders and the cards that this rules change affects the most. But first, a message from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, It can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we're back. We're going to talk about the commanders and the cards in general that this rules change affects the most. So let's begin with the commanders. I think the card that immediately sprang to everyone's mind when they heard this change was Alenda the Dusk Rose, Mm -hmm. which was a commander I played on an early episode of Game Night's it's uh, two white-black for a legendary 1-1 vampire knight with lifelink. But it says, whenever another creature dies, you put a 1-1 counter on Alenda. And then when Alenda, when Alenda dies, you create X 1-1 white vampire creature tokens with lifelink, where X is Alenda's power. So obviously in the old days, and this is how I played the deck when I played it on game nights, right. you'd have to let Alenda go to the graveyard to get your 1-1 tokens. And then you would have to figure out another card later on to get her out of the graveyard, or you'd have to exile her out of your graveyard and then replacement effect move her to the command zone. And it was just another hurdle you had to jump through. So I think this card, it was basically not very good before because of the extra hoops you have to jump through. And it I was think like a one shot, right? Yeah. It's like a glass cannon type. You hope the first time you do it is enough to win the game because <laughs> you can't rely on it happening again. So this obviously gets quite a bit better now because you'll be able to take advantage of that dice trigger and then move it to the command right. zone and cast it out of there again. And, and I think that's you know, it makes it sort of quote unquote unplayable, like uh, not unplayable, but a lower tier commander a lot better, but I don't think she's broken or anything. Yeah, she's definitely not broken, especially compared to some of the commanders we've seen recently. She just is made viable. Yeah. And I think, that, again, that's what we're trying to go for here. We want players to have as much options as possible. Uh, Kakusho, the Evening Star, also affected by this, as well as all of these spirit dragons. Uh, the 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 thing about these dragon spirits is that Kakusho was banned at one point. Yep. Right? It yep. was so overly powerful, they thought. But now this actually works as a commander even better, because when it says, Kakusho says, when Kakusho dies, each opponent loses five life. You gain life equal to the life lost this way. If it's as your commander, it's never going to die until now. When it actually dies, and we'll go to the command zone, you get the triggers. Your sack outlets look a lot better, finally. This one's a little more scary because I can see the create a bunch of mana. You don't even need infinite. Right. Sack Kakusha, recast, sack Kakusha, recast, sack Kakusha, recast, kind of win that way. That's going to be one of the more powerful ones. I think that and Child of Alara are probably the biggest winners from a power perspective. Yeah, except it still takes so much for Kakusha to do that. You have to have like 30 mana. Right, so maybe you, <laughs> maybe you do create infinite mana, but infinite mana... A sack outlet and Kakusho as your commander right. now wins. So that's that's a little scary, but I, I think it's fine. There's other commanders that are on that power level, I'm sure. And if you compare it to most two-card combos that infinitely win you the game, things look a little less terrifying, right? There's a lot of sep involved usually. And in general, if you create infinite mana, you're going to win the game. So, <laughs> you, you, you know, whatever. I'm excited about Rolesque. This is a card they played in a 60-card deck, and it was all about... Uh, yeah, we were playing uh, Brawl. ...proliferate and getting plus one, plus one counters on things. And so when Rolesque enters the battlefield, you put two 1-1 one, one counters on another target creature, but when Rolesque dies, you proliferate, then proliferate again. It's like Maelstrom Wanderer, but proliferating. But it needs to die. Right. Uh, and this is a really cool effect. I love being able to just put a ton of counters on things and proliferate a bunch. 
and but maybe... it feels bad to have to stick it in the graveyard, especially when you're not yeah. in you're not in black, so it's a lot harder to get out. I mean, green can, but it will regrow it and yeah. replay it. Yeah, but in this case, you know, this is I think really fun for the types of deck that this can help fuel. This doesn't seem inherently broken. Really glad that this card can work. Now I might actually try and make a Simic deck that isn't all about just pure value. Heresy has, has some strategy to it. For me. <laughs> All right, the, I think the biggest winner in all this is Child of Alara. It's Wooberg for a 6-6 six, six legendary avatar. Has Trample, but it says, when Child of Alara dies, destroy all non-land permanents. They can't be regenerated. Ooh. So before, again, you would have to let Child of Alara go to your graveyard, which was a problem because now, now I think you're going to be able to get into more loops where you're destroying everything around mm-hmm. the board, which is not fun. And you probably out there, you know, if depending on the type of play group you have, don't want to do that, but it is now a thing that can be done and Travelar undoubtedly yeah. gets more powerful now, right? Yeah, and there are obviously a lot of cards that that this affects. Um, slowly over time, I think we're going to get a much more com- a complete list, um, but let's talk about cards in the 99. Well, I want to talk about one card that oh, gets worse here because not all cards get better. Oh, interesting. So Rayhan, Last of the Abzan, is a one black green legendary creature, human warrior that enters the battlefield with three one one counters on it. And it says whenever a creature you control dies or is put into the command zone, if it had one or more one one counters on it, you may put that many one one counters on target Uh. creature and as partner. Here's the thing. If you exile Rayhan in the old days, you'd replacement, put it in the command zone, and then you could take her counters and put it somewhere else. Now it's going to hit the exile zone. You can choose to put it in the command zone, but it did not die and it did not go to the command zone. Right. So specifically, when people exile Rayhan now, you can't move the counters other places. So it is something to, a little bit to watch out for. We're obviously not going to talk about all the commander cards that this affects, but not all cards will get better with this change. Some will get a little bit worse. Yeah, that's really interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if someone has a petition to be like, make Rayhan better because you designed it with the old rules in mind, but this is what you really meant, right? <laughs> <laughs> that sort of seems like how it's going to affect it. Um, Blood Artist might be the most, and we're going to talk about the 99, Blood Artist is the card that gives given Josh the most headaches on game nights. It's given just people general headaches. Yep. And now it's going to be a little bit easier to figure out how much damage you're going to take from this thing. It makes the math easier, but it also makes it more powerful because... Pre, so Blood Artist says whenever a uh, Blood Artist or another creature dies, target player loses one life and you gain one life. There's a bunch of cards like this, Zulaport Cutthroat, right. a, a Aristocrats. bunch of Aristocrats. Yeah, so talking about this card, we'll talk about all of them basically, which in the past, if your commander died or somebody else's commander, that did not trigger Blood Artist if they put it in the command zone, mm-hmm. which did make Blood Artist a little less powerful, uh, but also made it harder to keep track of everything. So this simplifies it, but undoubtedly those cards are a little bit stronger now just because they affect more cards on the battlefield. And I don't know that Blood Artist needed to get stronger, but because <laughs> it's already really good. But anyway, that's just something to be aware of. Um, Grave Pact is another card in Dictative Erebos. Uh, there are a few other creatures that have that effect, which is that whenever a creature you control dies, everybody else has to sacrifice a creature. Uh, again, but now it counts you, your commanders in those two, right? Exactly. It used to not count commander, and now it will count your commander. So again, those get a little more powerful, which are already strong cards. Skull Clamp too, right? Mm. Yeah, this card is one that you occasionally want to equip to your commander, especially if you're running, you know, token-based decks and that amazing one one that that Craig loves that Reese 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 the Redeemed, Reese yeah. the Redeemed, yeah. So that that's something that actually makes a big difference here too. I, I like being able to just know that you can now do this to your commander 
and draw the cards off it. Not like Skullclamp needed any more buffs, but... Yeah, because Skullclamp says when the creature dies, you draw the two cards. Right. Uh, here's a favorite of yours, Yeah, Jimmy. Marionette Master. So this is a card that says whenever an artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, target opponent loses life equal to Marionette Master's power. It can fabricate, just like MeUndies, and put some plus and plus and counters <laughs> on it. <laughs> um, but, you know, before you would have artifact creatures dying, or like I place my Brea deck, yep. and you can no longer sack... Originally, you couldn't sack Brea to trigger Marionette Master, but now you can. Uh, so next is another card that gets a little bit worse because of actually gets a lot worse maybe becomes unplayable now because of the change right. so there's a called, card called avarice amulet which i actually had on a list of like underrated cards to talk about in the future but i won't be doing that now <laughs> let me read the card because most of you probably don't know what it is it's four mana for an artifact it's uh, equipment it says equip creature gets plus two plus oh and has vigilance and it says at the beginning of your upkeep draw a card whoa but it says whenever equip creature dies target opponent gains control of avarice amulet oh and has an equip cost of two. So what you could do is equip this to your commander, which was never going to die because mm -hmm. you would always put it in the command zone. So you never had to risk Avarice Amulet, Amulet going under your opponent's control. Uh, it was a nice little workaround for mono red, mono white, and Boros decks. And I think now with this change, you just can't risk playing a card you put on your commander that somebody <laughs> steals from you. So you probably don't want to play this anymore. Oh, so darn. a little this bit of card such draw. This is a cool little yeah. what, mono white card draw right there. Yeah. For six mana. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry, and sorry. Yeah. Um, okay, so there are some cards that go in your 99 that have interesting interactions besides the just dies thing. Because remember, your commander hits the graveyard mm -hmm. or exile, and then you choose to put it into your um, command zone as a state-based action, yes, but there are still some things that this will affect. So, yeah, yeah this first one's interesting. And this card, I, I guess... Already great. We already, we've already we talked about this card a lot. Sir Conrad the Grim, he's a black, three black, black, five, four, human knight. Whenever another creature dies or a creature is put into a graveyard anywhere from other than the battlefield or a creature card leaves your graveyard, Sir Conrad deals one damage to each opponent. So, creatures can outdie your commander. Uh, creature cards can be put into graveyard from anywhere other than the battlefield, sure. But a creature card leaving your graveyard, that's also going to happen. So that's two triggers off of these new abilities. Right. So if Sir Conrad's not your commander, something else is, let's say, I don't know. Um, Alenda. Yeah, Al <laughs> Alenda. So Alenda dies, triggers Conrad, because that's a creature dying. And then you say, oh, as a state-based effect, I'm going to put it in the command zone. It left the graveyard because it was there. So Sir Conrad triggers again. So you get two triggers off Sir Conrad. Please. Yeah, which is... Pretty good. Like we said, Sir Conrad, already good, gets already a little better. Already gets better. <laughs> Here's an interesting one. So Necromantic Selection is a four black, black, black sorcery. Destroy all creatures, then return a creature card put into a graveyard this way to the battlefield under your control. It's a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types, and you exile Necromantic Selection. Here's the thing. This will now nab commanders. Yes. Because... This is all tied to one effect. Mm -hmm. There's no, no effect that can be done in between the destroying the creatures and the bringing the creature back, even state-based actions. Right. So you destroy all creatures, and again, they don't have the uh, choice anymore to replacement effect. It will go to the graveyard, and that's the point at which they get to decide whether to put it in the command zone, but Necromantic Selection has to resolve first, in which case it's already brought the creature back onto the battlefield, mm -hmm. and now you can't put it in the command zone anymore. It's on the graveyard. Yeah, another way to look at this for the state-based actions is let's say you have a creature that says, this creature is star-star, equal to the number of cards, uh, your power toughness equal to the number of cards in your hand. And then let's say you play a card that says, discard your hand, then draw seven cards. That is all part of the same thing. So even though you do have zero cards in your hand at one point, you're still resolving the ability on the stack here of the card you played. So you're going to draw more cards and the creature is never going to stay at zero power because 
there was never at any point between the resolution of the spell that state-based actions are checked. So necromancy yeah, selection. closest crawler is yes. the one you're referring to. And it yeah. used, I think in the really old rules, that would have it would have died at the mm. point where you had no cards, but they changed it, yeah. So necromantic selection gets quite a bit better. Yeah, seven mana, steal a commander. Yeah, and kill everything and else. And kill everything else, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so there's some ripple effects from this rule that affects cards that don't actually say the word dies or go to the graveyard anywhere on them. Uh, and it was kind of a weird way they worked before. So I would think that this is actually still along the lines of now they sort of work more like how you think they would. Right. Simplified a little bit here. But it's, it is a change to how they've worked for years and years. So Banishing Light is kind of the poster child for this. It's two and a white for an enchantment. When Banishing Light enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent in opponent controls until Banishing Light leaves the battlefield. Here's how it used to work under the old rule. I would Banishing Light Jimmy's commander. <gasps> he would say, oh... Instead of going to exile, I'm going to put it in the command zone. So it replaced, it was a replacement effect. Mm-hmm. And then at some point later in the game, Jimmy destroys my banishing light. It leaves the battlefield. Banishing light still sees his commander in his command zone. And so it would come back onto the battlefield. Because it was a replacement effect, banishing light just says, where did I put it? Mm-hmm. Oh, I put it in the command zone. I'll go find it there and bring it back out. Uh, it that betrays is another card that worked in this way where if you sacrifice a creature, if any, if your opponent sacrifice a creature, you get that creature. So it would be the same thing because they right. sack a creature and then it goes to their command zone as a replacement effect. If the betrays would be like, that's where we put it, bring it back out. Doesn't work that way anymore because it's actually hitting the exile zone or the graveyard and then you're moving it to another zone. So what would happen is Banishing Light says, where'd I put it? I put it in the exile zone. Oh, it's not there anymore. Okay, I'm not bringing it back. Right. Because it thinks that the command zone... It, when you move it from exile to the command zone, that becomes a new object, and Banishing Light doesn't consider that to be what it put there. Yeah, this is sense? really interesting. It's something that I think is going to be probably, I mean, Grasp of Fate has similar things here, too. It's going to be one of the more confusing ones, but I think this actually works better for the people that didn't know the original weird rule right. around it. It always felt weird when somebody gets your commander with it to be the, the it that betrays when you sack it and yeah. move it to the command zone. It, it always felt like, wait, I put it someplace else. It shouldn't grab it from <laughs> there. Uh, so, And quick note, Josh and I are not judges. We are not rules experts, but we are rules aficionados of anything. If you have official questions, there is a magic judge chat. You just look up judge chat magic and Google whatever, Bing. Bing, whatever you want to use. Haven't said that in a while. And you can, <laughs> and you'll be able to ask them very specific questions, especially when it comes to this banishing light stuff, because there's going to be a lot of complexity. I even know Marchesa, the Black Rose, one of my favorite commanders, has a little added complexity here yeah. and doesn't like, for instance, when things change zones, does it become a new card? What happens? There's a lot uh, of complexity there. So make sure you ask the real pros, not us. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can ask us too. We'll just point you in the direction of we'll the We'll just say well, you should probably ask the judge. Uh, yeah. I wanted to have a quick discussion because there was a little bit of controversy surrounding the announcement article. In the article, Toby mentions that the catalyst for this change was one of the members of the CAG having an Alenda deck and not even realizing that that's not how it worked, that mm-hmm. you had to let it sit in the graveyard. You couldn't replacement effect to the command zone to get your vampires. Right. Um, and I saw a lot of chatter online about people like kind of up in arms, like how could a member of the CAG not know that rule? <laughs> they shouldn't be on the CAG if they don't know that rule. Um, Josh, are there things you don't know about commander rules? On yeah, we say all the time we're not a judge. <laughs> Why do you think we say have disclaimers that we're not judges? Uh, Jimmy and I are pretty up on the rules and we do a pretty good job, but all the time there's, yeah. there's rules, especially when we're extrapolating stuff that's like, I know this. And so this should probably work that way. A lot of times that, that second part is not true, but 
we're not we're not judges. We're not trying to be judges. People on the CAG are not judges. We don't need judges on the CAG. You know why? Because the RC has like a hundred years worth of judging experience <laughs> between them. Like it's crazy. They don't need more judges. They understand the rules just fine. They need players. What they want is perspective. What they yeah. want is people from different areas of commander. They want to get the opinions of the regular players who aren't level five judges and just insular in their own little play groups. They're trying to open it up to get opinions from out there. So I, yep. I think that this whole thing about like the CAG should all know all the rules and be judges and everything is completely unfounded. That's not what the CAG is there for and not what you would even want. You want a lot of different people who look at the game differently to yeah. be advising the rules committee. Yeah, you have a player base and then you have a commander advisory group that is supposed to be representative of that player base and there are people that will not know that this rule exists and there are people that know every intricacy of this rule. You better represent the whole broad spectrum, otherwise if you're only getting this side, then you're also representing a skewed version of what commander looks like to the community, to the actual rules committee, and then that's when you run into real problems. So I think it's great. I think this is exactly what the CAG is designed for. Point out the things that don't make sense and then get them addressed. And when we were discussing this change, I already knew about it, obviously, because we've done that Game Nights episode long ago and, you know, understood how the dice things worked, even right. though we still mess it up when we're playing all the time. Oh, yeah. But I was totally in favor of the change. I was like, that's exactly how it seems like it should work. It'd be nice if it worked that way. So if y'all can figure out how to word the wording, yeah. you know, if your lawyers can make that work, then let's do it. And so, you know, at the end of the day, I think all this stuff adds together and, and makes the game simpler. Well said. All right, that is it for today's mini episode talking about this very big rules change. Uh, cool stuff, exciting stuff all around. I'm, I'm sure a lot of uh, players and brewers out there are going to be very excited for this. Yeah, to the listeners, what are your thoughts on the new change? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? Are there cards that you think it affects a lot or changes the way you'll play them that we did not mention on this episode? Please tweet at us, reply in the comments. We always like to hear from you. Yeah, I can't wait to see what everyone says. All right, moving on. Uh, big thanks, as always, to our editing, graphics, and logistics team here at the Command Zone. It's Ashlyn Rose, Craig Blanchett, Lady Danger, Manson Lung, Josh Murphy, Jake Boss, Alfred Estaca, and of course, Sam Waldo. Yeah, and uh, before we go, I want to make a quick... Uh clarification here we are still going to release a podcast episode this week right. it's actually a really cool one we just preempted it because of this big announcement that we had to address so look forward later this week to a full-on podcast episode yeah that one's great by the way i'm really excited to, to see what people think about that yeah it is a cool one. Oh, and special thanks to jeffrey palmer for the living cards animations that begin and end our show and sit behind us here on set you can find jeffrey on uh twitter at living cards mtg all right everyone get brewing and we'll see you next time peace For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.